Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another live episode of the Managing Partners Podcast. My name is Kevin Daisy, and I'll be your host, also the founder of Array Digital. We help law firms grow through digital marketing. Happy to have this uh, guest here today. We have a special guest from Sacramento, California area. So, Eric Dewey, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. I'm really pleased by the opportunity to be here. No, absolutely. So, Eric is, when I say special guest, he is here because he's been in the legal space. He understands law firms, how they're ran, how they need to operate, focus on sales and things like that. But he's coming from a little bit of a different angle. And I'll let him kind of tell you a little bit about that. He's also authored the book Power Grids, which I'll share here in just a moment. Also a web address that you can check out to find out more about Eric and connect with him. But Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what brings you here to talk with me today. So I've been in professional services my entire career. Started out in commercial real estate and then moved into banking. And then for the past 20 years, I have been working in the legal space. Um, I've been the chief marketing officer for four large law firms. And then I branched out and began consulting on my own. So I've worked with large, small firms, boutique firms. I used to do the coaching program for Sidley Austin for four years, their new partner coaching program. And I've worked with, you know, probably a third of the AMLAW 200 firms. And so you have some experience. coaching experience, I've had the opportunity to really observe really, really great rainmakers and, and really analyze a lot of different attorneys practice practices and what they're doing. I, I've found that I can know whether an attorney will be successful by really delving into two areas. One, their connections, who they know, who knows them, the kind of the quality of the people that they know and how well they manage that network of connections. And the second, by what they're doing, what, what's the discipline, what habits do they develop in terms of business development? And if they meet both of those criteria, they've got a great network of connections and they are reaching out to them on a regular basis and they're, you know, being a giver and adding value in all their conversations, they generate a ton of work. And I began to see a pattern in that. And so I decided to put what I've seen in a book and I called it power grids because uh, what I see in the most successful attorneys is that they have a group of people usually between 50 and 150 other professionals who are either clients, past clients, referral sources, peer attorneys, other resources, influencers, but they have a group of people that they contact regularly and stay in touch with. And that power grid, of that, that group of people produces insights. It produces market intelligence, competitive intelligence. It produces opportunities, introductions to new people that they may add uh, into their power grid. And so it kind of, you know, when they do it right, when they're always looking out to help other people, their power grid fuels their success and the success of others in their, in their network. And so in the book, 
you know, one of the things that I've done historically in my career is always try to break everything down and I want to understand how it works. I just, I tinker with things and I look at the assumptions and try to understand why do things work the way they do or what doesn't work that people do, but that doesn't actually work. And so <laughs> in the book, what I've done is gone through all those things and dispelled some of the myths about business development, but also walk through the process and why things work the way they do. And so you can be confident when you're reading these steps and it is very much a step-by-step -step process. Nice. It, you know, you can, you, uh, you begin to understand why these things work the way they do. And some of the advice, for instance, I even go to the point of explaining how to have an outreach call. Like most people go, well, I just call them up and see how they're doing, what's new, you know, all that. And no, you want to have a productive call. You want to have it occur quickly and accomplish something in that process. So I use a process called share, care, pivot, and plus up. And that means when you call, you have what's going on with you. You have something new to share with them that's going on professionally or personally. You talk about something going on in that person's life, either professionally or personally. So you're paying attention to them. You show them that they, they show up on your radar. Pivot means how are you going to go from the small talk kind of casual conversation <laughs> to an objective that you have for the call? And then plus up is how are you going to leave them with something that they value and will feel like they got something out of that call? And those calls Love can that. be very short. You know, they can be longer. But if you follow that formula, the calls are more productive. I love that. Hey there, this is Kevin Daisy, your host and founder of Array Digital. If you're tired of wasting money with agencies that just can't get it done, then please check out my law firm, Digital Marketing Agency, at ArrayDigital.com. If you contact us there, you'll be sure to line up a meeting with me where we'll walk through your exact situation and come up with a plan for what you can do to improve your marketing results. I look forward to talking to you. Now back to the show. So it sounds like a lot of, and everyone listening, if you're listening, in your car or wherever you may be, the book is Power Grid. So just Power Grids. You can look it up on Amazon. It's available. Uh, also, for anyone tuning in right now, if you look on the screen or if you're listening, if you visit elegaltraining.com, so that's the letter E, legaltraining.com. That's his website. It's got the book on there. It's got everything else about him. He's got some other materials and, and things you can look at too. But go check that out just so you can get more familiar yeah. with Eric. Maybe the as you're watching this. The full title of the book, and you may need the rest of the title to search it on Amazon, but it's Power Grids, How Successful Lawyers Build Powerful Networks That Drive Reputations, Relationships, Referrals, and Revenues. Oh, wow. Okay. Excellent. So yeah, add that, add that to your search string if you can't find it. If not, I'll provide the link in the comments um, on this post on YouTube or LinkedIn so that you can click on it as well. So one going back to one of the things you said, so I built my business originally on networking. I had no clue who anyone was. I was moved into a new area and I had to go organically start meeting people. Now, of course, anyone listening, you know that we do digital marketing. We believe in marketing and getting yourself found but you need to have a network. You need to focus on that. You don't want to rely on marketing just like you don't want to rely on referrals. You need to have all those things working for you. 
Yeah. If you're smaller or starting out, you might not be able to afford marketing, advertising, and all that. So mm-hmm. your network is literally what's going to keep you moving and growing before you can kind of expand out from there. Yeah. So uh, to me, though, the, I think the biggest thing here is most people just network and they float around and they might just say, hey, I'm going to go to this thing. I'm going to a dinner tonight, actually. It's a big dinner in honor of someone in our city that I know, one person per year. So it's a big dinner about one person. And it's a networking opportunity. But I think most people just, they go and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to this event. Well, uh, what are you going to do there? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll run into some people or whatever. They're not intentional about it. They don't have a plan. They have no uh, script. They don't have an eye on their clock or time. You talk to someone you know Mm -hmm. in the back corner, and then the whole event's over with, and you didn't meet anyone new. So so it it sounds like what you're saying is is have a plan, (laughs) be intentional, Don't just float around an event. Well, and more to the point, I think, you know, anytime you do sales training, networking is one of the first things people bring up. You have to go out and meet people. And I try to distinguish between meeting a lot of people. When I look at an attorney's uh, list of their connections, you know, I try to understand how many people they know and where do they know and what industries and what mix of clients do they have. And most people just go out to meet more and more people. And there comes a point in time when you have, you know, enough people, what you need to do is then develop um, this network of people who have a mutual interest in each other's success. And that's what a power grid is. And so when I start working, I, my majority of my work is business development, coaching of corporate attorneys. And when I start working with them, I ask them to give me their list of contacts and they'll pull their email list and you know out of their crm system and go here's who i know and then i say are the people that you've worked with in the past or the attorneys that you've sat across the table from in here are the people from your linkedin following in here are the you know the people you know on social media in here do you have friends and family in this list do you have past people that you've worked with in past jobs or law school or what have you, you know more people than you realize, you know. And so I take them through a process to try to get everybody they know into a master list of contacts. And it's a grueling process. If they do it correctly, it's, it really takes some time. And I encourage them to use their administrative assistant or somebody else to help them in terms of tracking down contact information and things like that. But once they get that master list of contacts, Then they can go through, categorize them. Who are my referral sources? Who are my clients? Who are my, you know, prospective clients who are good sources of information, categorize them and then prioritize them. And in the book, I I describe who should be in your power grid, how to figure out who's the best to be in your power grid, but then to select about 150 people of the best quality people that you've known or currently know and have them in your power grid. And then reach out to three of them every day. And if you do that, which is tough, I give you some tips on how to make those calls happen quickly or mix it up between dinners and lunches and you can those do kinds it. of things. But yeah, you wanna have 150 outreaches every quarter. And then that means you'll be reaching those people four times a year. 
that level of outreach is enough to generate work. I see clients that start generating work within three months, sometimes as quick as a month or two months, because they go through their master list of connections and they realize, oh, I haven't talked to this guy in 10 years. I'm going to give him a call. And yeah. sure enough, out come a couple files that he's now able to start working on. So, um, <laughs> so doing that, though, typically generates work within three to six months. And the continuous habit of doing that, making that part of your daily routine, then really begins to eliminate the ebb and flow of work. So, you know, when you've mm -hmm. got a lot of work, you don't do business development. And when you don't have projects on the plate, then you start scrambling and trying to do business development. And you put yourself in this feast or famine cycle that is agonizing. It's I hear it all the time. <laughs> so the idea here is to smooth that out. Doing a little every day assures that you've got a constant flow of work. I love it. I, I totally agree with you. And, uh, you know, we do sales training for uh, ourselves for like internally for my company. And we try to, you got to have those activities going because I talk to a lot of attorneys, especially when they come to us, maybe as uh, looking for help in marketing and things like that. Right. And they don't have predictability. Like, what is your sales going to be next month? Right. Well, I don't know. We're busy right now, but then I'm going to be slow or I got this many cases last month yeah. and I'm half, I'm down this month. So they have this ebbs and flows, like you said, right. uh, or feast or famine and there's no predictability. So they really, a lot of these firms I talked to, they, they kind of stay stagnant at the same level, Yeah. you know, 2 million a year, 5 yeah. million a year, whatever their level is, they, they kind of, they're stuck there and then, and they yeah. just, yeah, breaking, breaking out of those habits is difficult. The other thing is they often don't have the information they need. So when I look at a when I look at an attorney's practice, I get their financials, I get their clients, I get their contacts, I get, you know, I interview them with what they've been doing and whatnot. And then I say, what's the average matter value? Like when you get a matter to change the clauses in a technology contract, how much do you typically make on that? Well, they they don't, they'll say it depends. Well, of course it depends. <laughs> What's the average that you're going to get on that? And then how many people do you need to contact in order to generate enough inquiries to generate the volume of work that you want to do? So that's, that's in the book and it's a step-by-step -step process. Here's the information you need. Here's how you calculate it. Here's nice. how you can adjust it based on, you know, the close rate. You're familiar with close rates. Yeah. You know, if you talk to 20 different people, you might get two matters out of that 20 different people. So you have a 10% close rate. That's really good, actually. Or you may only get one, in, you know, in which case you have a 5% sure. close rate, which is a little low. So, you, But you need those numbers. So I think that's the important thing, too, is for one, the tool is great. So you have the tool to do the math. And, and honestly, when we're talking to prospects, it's those are a lot of the things that I need to help yeah. me understand where they need to go and if we can even take them there. So it's, it's rare that I have someone that's like, they know their closing rate, they know their average client and off the top of their head. And so it's nice when I do get a, someone like that, Yeah. but most do not. So yeah, if you're an attorney listening, those are things you should know off the top of your head, mm -hmm. whether you're the managing partner or just a, a, an attorney at the firm is, should be important to you. Yeah. And uh, another side note too, for non-managing partners, so for uh, attorneys that are at a firm, that maybe the firm feeds you the leads or feeds you the, the work. Right. Be careful if you leave that firm or go try to start your own, because now you've spent how many years at a firm 
mm-hmm. and you've built no network, no exactly. power grid. And right. then you're like, <laughs> oh, now I got to bring in my own cases, my own work off my right. network. And you failed to right. focus on that. So Yeah. When we do the calculations, it's primarily so, you know, the, the question I get most often is, what do I need to do and how much do I need to do it to hit a million dollars or to hit $5 million or, you know, $10 million in, in business? Well, the only way to really figure that out is to back out of that number using the average matter value. Sure. And so, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, how many calls or visits or events do you do for business development each week? And they'll go, oh, I, I probably, you know, I try to have lunch with somebody at least once a week. And I'll be like, okay, if you do that and you're successful 8% of the time, that means that you're not going to generate work until this point in time. So you need to amp up the volume that you're doing. And what, you know, what a lot of attorneys are doing is they'll, they'll write client alerts and they'll, you know, do an article and they'll rely on that to generate inquiries. When, that's not a bad thing to do but it's not the most efficient way to develop work. The most efficient yeah. way is to develop a power grid and contact those people on a regular basis, because it's not you one-to-one it's now 150 people who have 150 people each. So you've, you, you create a force multiplier in, in military jargon, they call it What's the force multiplier. Well, the force <clears throat> multiplier is working with people that want to help you too that you want to help them and they want to help you that multiplies the force of your network. And so that that's the book is mostly about that. If you're a managing partner listening to this podcast, I'd encourage you to sit down with all the attorneys in the firm, ask them to go through and list everybody they know and pass positions, everything, get a master list of contacts and then look at the reach of the firm, how many different people in how many different industries and how many different companies do all the partners of the firm know? And from that, that's your net value. That's the value of the firm. Those relationships are the future revenue stream of that firm. And it's a really good thing to know because once you know that information, you can then begin to step back and say, okay, this guy has the best relationships with these different clients. Focus on these guys. You have this other guy has great relationships with these other guys. So you begin to divide and conquer. And until that happens, you know, what, what I see is managing partners, all of a sudden they realize, holy cow, there are a lot of people that we know that we're not staying in touch with. Sure. And if we did imagine what, you know, kind of work would be able to come out of that. And so so I pool a group of partners from complementary practice areas, synergistic practice areas, and we do a group coaching program. They go through the process, they assemble their master contact list, they categorize them and prioritize them. And then we meet on a monthly basis in a group coaching session, and they are assigned to go out and contact their contacts, you know, on a regular basis, preferably three a day, but one a day works. And then we talk about what did you learn? What market intelligence did you get? What opportunities are you seeing? How can we collaborate on those opportunities? And you know, how much coverage do you have of the marketplace? And what can we do to improve that coverage? And it, it's the only way to really build collaboration in the firm because through those group coaching programs, 
they learn about each other's practice. They learn about, you know, mm. what they like. They learn about their clients. They really get to know each other's practice because, you know, you go around and you talk about it. And it's a very powerful way to really begin to manage the force of the firm. I mean, the referral network and the connections network of a law firm is really the fuel of that law firm. And so when they can combine all the power grids together and see the ex the extent and the reach of that network, it really is, it's, I don't see a lot of managing partners do it, but I think it's the most important thing they should be doing. If you're not managing the outreach of the firm, you're not managing the revenues of the firm. That's a good point. And so I think this is, it's really untapped resources, right? So there's people are already there in your life, right? But yeah, you're talking, but you're not doing anything to uh, engage them. And I think similar is like a, you know, like a power base, like a, it's their friends, family, but our, we have these people that are around us that we know, but no matter how well you think you do at marketing yourself or putting yourself on social media or whatever, I have close friends or family that don't know what I do exactly. Yeah. And so don't just assume it's true. Well, everyone knows what I do. So if they need something, they'll just reach out. <laughs> and then yeah. here's the thing. How many other people do they know that do the same thing you do that they just didn't think about you? Not because they don't like you, Yeah. but you weren't top of mind. So you make that call, you go have right. that lunch, whatever it may be. Exactly. And they go, okay, I didn't know Kevin was even doing yeah. that. Uh, actually, imagine, I know, you know. <laughs> in the book, I talk about your critical few. Those are the people that you talk to all the time, friends, family, peers, mentors, those, those kinds yeah. of people. You know, you have a group of people that are, that do know what you do, know what you're trying to accomplish and whatnot. And they're, and they're the people that you stay in touch with. But imagine if you had 150 of those people that were like your critical few. Sure. That's what a power grid is. It is a group of people who all share the same values, share the same commitment. They're givers. They're looking out to help other people. They know how to deliver value in their relationships with others. And so you can, you know, if you talk to people, things begin to happen and you stay on their radar and they'll think of you. So, but don't, you can't talk to everybody. So pick the best people to talk to. That's the concept, essentially, of, of a power grid. No, I think it's great. And again, it's just something we fail to do, right? I have so many people I know and connect to in, the, in my community or even in the legal space. But we tend to just go do all these other initiatives, sending out, you know, writing articles, sending out a newsletter to your, you know, whatever. But, and we stop there and yeah. just go, okay, I don't know why I'm not getting more referrals. I don't understand why. Yeah. And you're, you just haven't took the time to, to, to talk to these folks. And, and Exactly. Or even identify them. So I think, you know, your whole concept is identify them, bullet down to the top 150 yeah, yeah. and then start working that. Yeah. There are people you don't want in your power grid, but that <laughs> may be potential clients. And so, you you know, the, I've even, I, I even mockingly, I guess myself mockingly say, you know, get the book and then get it, all the people in your power grid to get the book. So they all have the same principles, values. They understand the vision. They, everybody understands the same process that they're going through so that when you talk about for, you know, upper right-hand quadrant work, that's like jargon that you're not going to understand what I'm talking about unless you've gone through the process of evaluating your practice through the practice position model and um, understanding where your practice is in the marketplace. But when you have that common understanding, it becomes like a shortcut. It's um, 
throwaway descriptions of of what you're trying to really say. And in this case, upper right hand quadrant work is the low price sensitivity, high value, strategically important work being done for corporations that other lawyers can't easily substitute in and do that work because gotcha. you know the business so well, you know the industry so well, you know, you know the, your clients' needs and preferences so well that you have very low price sensitivity. You can charge higher rates for that work because it's strategically important to the corporation. And it's hard to replace another attorney because they just don't know it as well. And so part of this book is how do you how do you understand the business so well that you can speak in a business manager's jargon? And you know, how do you understand their model so that when you apply your legal advice, it's being applied in the context of their business? Yeah, I can go on. You go on and on, people. <laughs> well, I, so <clears throat> I think it's great. I think it's, I mean, I know, you know, I talked with Eric the other day, actually, and when we chatted and, you know, he sent me a, a list of other topics and things. And so he's got so much more that he could talk about on here today and regarding sales and cross-selling and other things like that. So I think it's important to connect with Eric, take a look at his work, look at the book, get the book. And because there's, I think a lot you can learn from him and I not, and I think I talked to him about this early too, is. This apply to my business. So you don't have to be a law firm necessarily. I think these are things that any professional service business should be doing. And it can be consumer focused or, or business focused. This will work. You need to have a network. You have to be intentional about it. Yeah. And the people you have the network with, I'm sure they want the same thing. They want to I, have that same network. Can I leave your listeners with one last really valuable piece of advice? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so just about every business pitch I've ever done, there has been an incumbent provider doing the work. Mm. So it's an RFP process, it's a panel review or what have you, or even just going to pitch some your work to a prospective client. There is almost always either an attorney already doing the work or an attorney they know who could do the work. And so those are what I call incumbent providers. You just going and pitching how great you are, a competitive pitch really doesn't do much because no general counsel is going to change their law firm and disrupt their business until they first question the value that they're getting from their current provider. Sure. And so the conversation should be about having that general counsel think about the value they're getting out of their current provider. So the one question that you can ask whenever there's an incumbent provider, is to ask, how would you know when it was time to review how those matters are being handled? Mm. And then let them describe to you what they would look for to know whether it was time to reconsider how those matters are being handled. And then probe, and what else? And, you know, and ask, that's what I call the awe question, A-W-E, <laughs> and what else? And what else? Yeah. And basically, you want them to mentally go through all aspects of their relationship, both, you know, their their personal and social relationship, but also the technical mm -hmm. quality, the technology they're using, their matter management um, processes, how they communicate with you. So you want them to really evaluate. And until they do that, you'll never really know the best strategy to use to win that work. 
And so the first step is to ask the client, how would you know if it were time to reconsider how these matters are being handled? Sure. Price. Yeah. Yeah. The price went up. So <laughs> reconsider that. But what else would you look for? I like that. That's really good. So that's somewhat kind of how we work with when I mean, I'm talking to law firms, right? Because I'm in a position of trying to sell and work with law firms. So, and we always have an incumbent. It's almost every time, either they've done it in house or they have someone yeah. internally or they got an agency. Yeah. But it's, I asked a very similar question and to anyone listening that it's really the best way because yeah, you can just talk about how awesome you are and your features and yeah. the price and all that stuff and your benefits even. You can go all the way down, but yeah. But is there really a need? You know, what would a relationship with someone like us look like? What yeah. would you be looking for in a relationship? Exactly. What would success look like to you? Yeah. And then once they they've spit all that out and then they go, "Okay, well, do I have that right now?" Yeah. And you're hoping that they don't really have all that. And so yeah. I think the, that's beautiful. The, the thing that I try to, to remind lawyers is that they're really not in a sales person job. They're in a change management job. And mm. anytime a business changes how they're handling things, changes a vendor, changes a technology, whatever, it disrupts the business. And yeah. disruption is the worst thing for any business. All business managers want is smooth operations, predictability, low risk. Once they've got a good operating model, they don't want to change it. And yeah. so what you offer has to be so much better than what they have that it's worth, worth the cost of disruption and the potential unintended consequences that could happen as part of that change. Yeah. And so when you go at it from the aspect of how, how are we going to manage change versus how am I going to persuade them, sell them? <laughs> it's a much more advisory type role, which fits lawyers much better. Yeah. And it also gives you an opportunity to learn a lot about the business that you're not going to get when you're trying to persuade them to use you. Completely agree. And again, what you're saying applies to me because if someone wants to redo their marketing, their website, like that's a big change. And they're usually fearful of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I just got a website done by the last company. Do I need to really build another one? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of fear. That is bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so if you're just trying to sell them because, you know, you just want it all or you need it all. Right. It's not going to work. At the end of the day, you're going to get caught up and they're going to say, yeah. yeah, we're not going to make a change right now. There's not enough pain for them to, to do it. Exactly. And, and they don't see the need. So, yeah. and it's very true. what Eric's saying, there, there might be a need. It's just not uncovered enough. It's not exposed right. because they probably haven't took the time to even to evaluate every century, you know, bit of it. Right. So yeah. I, I those, those conversations also can keep you from, continuously pursuing an opportunity that doesn't exist. So in other words, you go through what would need to happen for you to reconsider how you're handling these things. How would you know that? Well, they'd say, you know, they may know pretty quickly. Great. You're in good hands. I'm not going to try to wrestle you, you know, you away from somebody who's doing good. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you need to be able to do that. And you'd be in a position where you can say no or yeah. that. And we did this recently with a, a potential client they basically felt obligated to talk to us because they were referred. And then we got looking and digging and talking and, and everything and asking them questions and everything was great. Everything from our side looks great. The yeah. results are great. And we said, well, what made you talk with us? Well, this one person referred you. So I think I thought it was worth talking to you just in case maybe in the future I had a need. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so it was like, great, let's stay in touch, but you don't need us. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to disrupt well, that, the company. In yeah. that case, hey, you're in good hands. Do you know anybody else who's not in good hands? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pivot. Pivot, ask for the referral. And yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's great. And, and people appreciate that if you can come to that conclusion quickly. Yeah. They want to be validated. And not waste their time. Yeah, they want to know that it's good. They've got an objective outside opinion. Yeah, it's true. And you've created a great relationship because you've helped them kind of look carefully at how their providers are handling their work. And, uh, yeah. you know, that in and of itself is a lot of value to people. So when you approach the conversation from that aspect, you're actually approaching it from a client value delivery standpoint, not a, what's in it for me, but... Yeah. How, but, you know, that goes off the table. I want to approach it from how will we know you're in good hands? I love that. And then there's a couple of things that will happen after that. One, they might come back to you later mm -hmm. when they do have a need. Or two, they will refer you and talk how great of, you know, a company you yep. are or a person, even though they didn't do business with you. Yeah. Uh, because they know you're going to take care of that that referral. Yeah. And so, it, uh, yeah, it's you know. like, in, it, it's like a display of integrity that really, you know, forms basis for trust. So when you yeah. approach it from the standpoint of how do I know I could actually add value to this relationship? You know, you're absolutely right, Kevin, they're going to talk about you because it's, it'll be a pleasant experience. And that un experience, unfortunately, doesn't happen that often with people that yeah. are trying to get them on the phone. No, hundred percent. And yeah. so uh, that's helped us. And that's, and especially in my space, that's, you know, people just want to sell you the stuff and that's it. There's not really any allegiance yeah. there. So we try to do that ourselves. So it's worked well and listen to what, listen to what Eric is telling you. And I think it'll, it'll be a, a good experience for you. So yeah, Eric, we'll wrap up here. Anything else you want you to share? I'll, I'll share here in just a second. Again, the book and the links and stuff like that. Anything else you want to leave uh, our guests, our listeners with? You know, I did another podcast and, and he said, you know, what three action items should people walk away with? And I yeah. thought that was a really good way to close out the podcast. And, and for me, I would say, I like go through your contact list, try to figure out everybody that you know, and then two, prioritize those and try to get 150 in your power grid. And then three, challenge yourself to make three calls a day. It's difficult because you want to do work you know, client work first and whatnot, but you got to figure out a way to make three calls, touches with potential clients every day. And if you do that, you will generate work. I can practically guarantee, I mean, you got to be doing something really bad <laughs> on your calls if you're not generating work or you're talking to completely the wrong people or whatever, but. No, I think that's great. No, it will work. It will if you're yeah. consistent too. And and yeah. block yourself. I do this for myself. I'll, I'll block 30 minutes even per day. Right. And you can get a lot of calls in. Sometimes you might not get them. You might have to leave a voicemail or something yeah. like that. But it might take you five minutes to make the three calls. And now, you know, go on to, to your work. But yeah, I think another takeaway, a fourth takeaway would be what you said early. Have a reason and a plan for that call. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're not just, oh, hey, Eric. Yeah. How you doing? Great. Okay. See ya. And then you, know, you, yeah. you didn't accomplish anything. <laughs> so, you have to have a call objective. Right. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing is get, get Eric's book so that you can probably <laughs> see all, all the details. I know I have a, a copy of his book coming, but power grids, you can find it. If not by searching for it, 
on Amazon or on Google. If not, just visit his website. It's elegaltraining.com. So it's yeah, elegaltraining.com. Yeah, not illegal that. training, but e. Just so people know what that website is, it's actually a platform with about 200 business development and practice development courses on it. And so everything from like feedback, time management, delegation, building your network of connections, building a specialty practice area. There's wow. we, yeah, my partners and I created a, a platform with, uh, with five to 15 minute long videos with training and exercises and what have you. So that's, that's what illegal it's electronic legal training, but like e-discovery, but we thought the illegal play on words would make it memorable. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> the first time you said it to me last time I talked to you was, I was like, wait, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, I love that. So, so it, Eric has a ton to offer to everyone here listening, tons of different resources. I'm sure he's got plenty of stuff that's just out there versus mm-hmm. you can get his book or, or take a look at his e-training programs and see if there's something that might be something you need to, to dig into. But regardless, if not connect with Eric directly, what's the best way for uh, listeners to look you up, Eric, personally. And- um, I'm Eric G. Dewey on LinkedIn and, um, or my, you can just, my personal email is Eric G. Dewey, G is in Grant Dewey at uh, gmail.com or Eric at illegaltraining.com or my consulting business is Group Dewey Consulting. So that's Eric at Group Dewey Consulting.com. Excellent. Awesome. Well, yeah, do yourself a favor, reach out to Eric, connect with him. LinkedIn is easiest for me, but that's good. You can rewind this, get his email addresses and reach out to him. He's, he's a great resource. I'm sure we'll have him on again. We'll be featuring him in the newsletter as well. So Eric, thank you so much for sharing tons yeah, of you. information. And I know that's just the tip of the iceberg for what you have to share, especially yeah. in the roles that you've had. So appreciate well, I'm working it. on the, I'm working on my next book. It's called the intrinsic approach how lawyers can sell more by selling less. And uh, I'd love to be back on your podcast then. Oh, absolutely. No problem. You can guarantee it. So, well, Eric, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. Um, everyone, yeah, thank you, Kevin. you'll be to find this episode as well as over 200 other episodes. We're crossing the 250, I think, Mark, here soon uh, with a backlog that we have. Uh, but go to raylaw.com forward slash podcast. That'll let you sort by state by practice area and with folks like Eric coming on more regularly now, we'll be adding another filter, which will probably be industry experts or something of that degree, but that's where you can find Eric. But look on our YouTube, it'll be live on my LinkedIn, Facebook. So this episode will be out there. It'll also be featured in our newsletter, which you can sign up for on our uh, website. And also if you're interested in learning more about uh, digital marketing, how we do that for attorneys, only for the ones that we can help, I promise you, <laughs> it's uh, get over law.com. We help attorneys grow by increasing their organic traffic, their uh, you know how they're found on Google, how they're found on social media, how they're represented in the market. So if you need help with that, you have any questions, reach out to me, get over law.com. Happy to help you with any questions you have. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. Really, I enjoyed it. No, me too. Hope everyone got something great out of it. Check this out. Rewind it, take you know your takeaways, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. We have been producing this podcast for years, have had hundreds of guests, and produced hundreds of episodes. We don't ask for much, but I do have one ask. 
If you find value in this podcast, please share it with one person just like you. The best way to do that is to send them to ArrayDigital.com where we have a full library of all the episodes that they can sort by practice area and or state. So again, we appreciate you listening and thanks for sharing.